0: This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center, on the web at www.sfzc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning, everyone. I am very happy to be here this morning, to be able to talk with you, uh, have our Dharma discussion and continue our study of the the Lotus Sutra. Uh, Some of you um, may not know, but uh, a number of people, couple hundred people or more, are participating in a January intensive that includes participants from uh, the United States of America and Europe, and I'm not sure what other countries, and were uh, studying the Lotus Sutra. So, my talk today will be devoted to taking a look at chapter 25, which is considered, it, it's kind of a one of the more beloved chapters of the Lotus Sutra. And it stands alone and is chanted by itself. Uh, oftentimes, perhaps the only thing that someone might have chanted, would have been chapter 25. Uh, So we're going to take a look at that that chapter and how to practice with that and what the teachings are of that. Uh, However, before we, or as part of looking at chapter 25, I just wanted to say that uh, on January 15th, we had a memorial service, commemorating, maybe I could say more clearly, commemorating the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. And in the Zendo, I actually didn't know what this was going to happen. We played uh, through the audio um, part of the I Have a Dream speech. I don't think it was the entire speech. And I want to dedicate this talk about the 25th chapter to Dr. Martin Luther King and his work and his vision and his not forgetting his sufferings and, and those who walked with him and still walk with him. Because I feel this 25th chapter is about being in the world and facing our suffering, facing the suffering of others, feeling it, listening, and responding. And I also want to include the fact that uh, not only the United States of America is affected by the uh, rampaging mob that stormed the Capitol, people died, people were threatened, people were traumatized and hurt. And how do we how do we practice with this? How do we work with this? How do we take care of ourselves when these threats of violence and delusionary upheaval are, are right there in our, in our everyday life, not in some mythical time? So I I want us to not forget these times that we're living in and especially the the clarity with which I've been reading um, people's understanding of the underpinnings of what happened. The beliefs, the delusional beliefs in white supremacy and hatred and fear, but let's not stop there let's nor write off millions of people from our heart what is the practice of meeting these kinds of circumstances so uh, please help me to ground this this talk in our real everyday life Uh, and the difficulties that we face. And how can chapter 25 help us? So I wanted to just briefly say something about the history of the Lotus Sutra. Uh, It was written over about 700 years so it probably the first, and, and you, scholars can see the layers of the language used in, in various ways to um, ferret out these, these layers of time. And the, the first 11 chapters were probably written between uh, the first century BCE, before the Common Era. And probably those first sections were finished about 250 common era. The the whole Lotus Sutra was finished except for one chapter. The 12th chapter was added probably in the 500s. The chapter called Devadatta about the Buddha's rascal of a cousin So chapter one through eleven, probably one hundred BCE to about fifty BCE. Chapters twelve to fifteen in about a hundred common era. Chapters sixteen to twenty-seven around one hundred and fifty common era. So the this chapter twenty-five, probably written, very you know. Thousands of years ago, yes? The chapter 25 is called, uh, various translations, one is the universal gateway of Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva. Another is the all-sidedness, the all-sidedness of the Regarder of the cries of the world, Regarder of the cries of the world is a translation of the name of the Bodhisattva of infinite compassion. So Avalokiteshvara guanyin in Chinese, kanon in Japanese. And also there's other, other ways that this Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion is referred to in the Heart Sutra, it's kanji zai, and sometimes it's Zeon. This is all referring to the same Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion and turning the name in different ways. Uh, kanon is, kan is seeing, observing, regarding, and on is sound. The sound seer or the sound regarder is Kanon or Guanyin. But Kanzeon is regarder of the cries of the world or one who hears the cries of the world. That's the name of this Bodhisattva of infinite compassion. The, this practice of listening, listening to suffering, listening to the cries of the world, listening to these calls. Uh, Suzuki Roshi uh, mentions chapter 25 of the Lotus Sutra in his, um, the transcriptions of his talks on the Lotus Sutra, and it's, it's, it's very interesting what he says. He learned chapter 25 because his mother chanted it a lot, chanted it daily. And she just would be going about her life in in the home. She was a temple wife of a temple priest and would chant this sutra, which calls on the Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion for help. And Suzuki Roshi says he didn't really uh, he, he learned it by heart, just by listening, but when he got older, maybe around 11 or 12, he says he didn't, he, he understood more what she was saying, and he didn't like it. It sounded like she was being very superstitious, and we'll, we'll, well, those of you who've read it already know what I mean, and I'll bring it up in this talk for those of you who haven't read it, but he felt she was being superstitious. And he didn't like it. Uh, so he goes on to say. Actually, one of the students in this lecture asks him, um, "Did your mother have faith in the Lotus Sutra? Is that why she was chanting? Because she had faith?" And he he basically said he didn't know if it was faith, but it was more like a prayer. She was. And a prayer is prego, you know, a prayer is, I pray um, for something, may it be so, calling out for something, for help, a kind of prayer. And, and then he talks about their life in, during this time. This was in the Meiji period, which went from 1868 to 1912. And this was a very difficult time for Buddhism in Japan. Uh, there was a withdrawal of support for Buddhist priests. The priest before Suzuki Roshi's father had to sell off land um, in order to have some kind of income. People were not donating. And also it was a time when um, priests were allowed to, pressure to marry after, you know, thousand years of a celibate priesthood, this change in the culture happened. And I think it was very hard on those early families. Uh, and they were very poor. Suzukiyoshi she said when, when it rained, uh, it, the, they didn't have money to fix the roof. They had to wear hold umbrellas inside the house. And the tatami mat was all ruined and broken, and and he didn't have the same kind of clothing to wear to school for festival days and these kinds of things. So he said it was hard for him, but in, in thinking about his mother, he realized it must have been very, very hard for her during this time. And she chanted the 25th chapter the universal gateway, universal gateway of the Bodhisattva of infinite compassion. And perhaps as often chanting something, repeating something, uh, knowing something by heart and chanting it over and over, this can be, uh, can meet us, can soothe us, can comfort us can work with our trauma of our life in a very skillful way. So that's a, a just a little background about Suzuki Roshi's connection with this uh, chapter 25 uh, so, How does, what is the chapter about? Um, It starts out, uh, this is chapter 25, so a lot of the Lotus Sutra has gone on before this. Um, And there's a personage, a very important Buddha who shows up right at the end of the chapter that was introduced before that I'll say something about. It starts out with a bodhisattva whose name is Akshayamati, which translates as infinite mind or infinite thought or endless intent. You know, there's so many translations of the, um, of the sutra into English. And also there were many translations made, um, you know, up until the 400s when Kumarajiva translated it in a very eloquent, beautiful way. There were many translations, but after that, Kumarajiva's uh, translation was used. Anyway, this Bodhisattva asks the Buddha, why is Regarder of the Cries of the World called by that name? So it, it starts out with this question, why that name? Why is that name, um, the name of this Bodhisattva? And the Buddha uh, then begins the chapter 25 with saying how it is that this Bodhisattva has this name. Now, I wanted to go back, This um, this was very helpful for me. Uh, the one who hears the cries of the world, this bodhisattva uh, is in other sutras, in the Heart Sutra, in the first line of the Heart Sutra, in the Flower Garland, Avatamsaka Sutra, when Sud- Sudhana um, is going around to different bodhisattvas to ask how to lead a bodhisattva life, Sudhana calls on Avalokiteshvara and asks, and in this part, this is now Avatamsaka Sutra, but I think it's background. This Mahayana Sutra is background for Chapter Twenty Five. Chapter Twenty Five is flows from this um, these teachings and vows of the Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion. So I'm going to read from the um, Avatamsaka Sutra, the Flower Ornament Sutra. So. Sudana, who's this pilgrim, comes upon Avalokiteshvara sitting by these streams and springs on a, on a boulder and asks um, how, uh, first he was welcomed by the Bodhisattva. And, and then he says, do you practice the bodhisattva way? Basically, I've set my mind to practice the bodhisattva way. Please tell me how to carry this practice forward to enlightened beings, to save beings. And Avalokiteshvara says, noble one, I have set my mind on supreme perfect enlightenment but I do not know how to learn and carry out the practice of enlightening beings. This is what Sudhana said, and Avalokiteshvara said, it is good that you are aspiring to this. I know a way, Avalokiteshvara knows a way, Guanyin knows a way of enlightening practice called Undertaking great compassion without delay. That's Avalokiteshvara's practice. Undertaking great compassion without delay. And what this does is guides beings. And I'm dedicated to protecting and guiding beings and communicating to them. And I appear, says Guanyin, says Avalokiteshvara. I appear in the midst of the activities of all sentient beings without leaving the presence of the Buddha. So this Bodhisattva does not leave uh, Buddha nature in some way or the presence of Buddhas, but enters into the midst of daily activities. And I do this by four means. And this Dogen, there's a fascicle of Dogen about these four methods, kind speech, generosity, kind speech, beneficial action, and identity action. So uh, this is where that originates in Avatamsaka Sutra. And I appear in various forms. And I take care of, I have inconceivable forms. I take care of them and develop beings by speaking to them according to their mentalities, showing conduct according to their inclinations. And I magically produce forms and teach them doctrines commensurate with their interests and inspire them to accumulate good qualities according to their mentalities and I appear to them in any form in that's part of their conditions, their families, their, I come in that form and by living together with them. This is perfecting the practice of unhesitating compassion. I vowed to be a refuge for all beings to free them from fears calamity threat confusion bondage attacks on their lives insufficiency of means to support to support life inability to make a living ill repute the perils of life intimidation by the crowd death, miserable conditions, unknown hardships, servitude, separation from loved ones, living with the uncongenial, physical violence, mental violence, sorrow, depression. I have undertaken a vow to be a refuge for all beings from these fears and perils. So this is Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion naming, listing these things that these are present. They were present thousands of years ago. They are present this very day. Uh, You know, insufficient means to support life, servitude, physical, mental violence, depression, and with unhindered, unhesitating compassion without delay, I I vow to guide beings and help beings and take any form that's going to help them, any form. Now this is also Avatamsaka Sutra and it has to do with the 25th chapter. Avalokiteshvara then says, I also have caused a way of remembrance to appear in all worlds to extinguish the fears of all beings. I've caused my name to be known in all worlds to drive away fears of all beings. And I've caused the tranquility of all beings in endless forms to appear in my body, in the body of compassion, to communicate to all beings individually according to this time. And this releases them from fears. So this, not only did Avalokiteshvara make this deep vow, for compassion without delay, unhesitating compassion and to take any form that's necessary, but also this added thing of my name, I will cause my name to be known. And if you call my name, this is, and this is one way to remember, to remember what? to remember compassion, infinite compassion, unhindered compassion without delay, to remember that because we do forget. Yes? So so this is background to to the 25th chapter of the Lotus Sutra. This is uh, these, uh, vows, which the Buddha then, um, when uh, the Bodhisattva of Infinite Thoughts says, how come the Bodhisattva is called Regarder of the Cries of the World? How come? And the Buddha then answers that this Bodhisattva made deep vows. And I think I just read about these vows that this Buddha, this Bodhisattva made to be with beings in any way, shape or form that they need. So in the Lotus Sutra, they traditionally say there's 23 forms, but it's really myriad forms. And I think you've seen um, figures of the Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion, one form has a thousand hands and arms, and on each hand is an eye, the eye of wisdom. So you have these thousand arms, each hand with an eye, and then the hands are holding implements that can be used to meet beings where they're at. That's the only way to meet beings is where they're at. If we're way out ahead of them and talking about things they have, uh, don't know what, what's going on, we may you know lose people. We have to be there with beings where they're at and speak in ways, this is skillful means. This is one of the main teachings of uh, the 25th chapter is skillful means and combining wisdom and skillful means and, and wisdom whose heart is compassion and skillful means is is responding appropriately in all in all universally. That's why it's called the universal gateway or the all-sidedness. there's not stuck in one way one formula this this was very helpful that one time I'll try that one again or I'll I'll bring this up or or treat this person like I treated that other person or talk with them in the same way um no that was for that time that place that those inclinations, those tendencies, that family. So the Bodhisattva of Infinite Compassion takes any form. Now, one thing about um, this particular sutra, uh, chapter of the sutra, and, and Suzuki Roshi said, you know, he, he was concerned his mother was superstitious and I wanted to say something about uh, and read to you I think some of the the verse the verses which this um, chanting of of the verse section of chapter 25 um, is something that's done in Soto temples and I remember Roshi was asked um, a Japanese priest who lives in uh, near in the East Bay. You know what he missed about you know Japanese temple life, and he said chanting the twenty-fifth chapter of the Lotus Sutra. So this is a beloved um, teaching, and also you know there's this repetition and. So I just wanted to read to you a few of the verse sections um, and also come back to another teaching that's here. So, So the Buddha says, listen to the deeds of Avalokiteshvara, aptly responding in every quarter, who with immense vow. Deep as oceans, which we just read about from Avatamsaka Sutra, through kalpas beyond reckoning, eons and eons, has served many thousands of millions of Buddhas, bringing forth this great pure vow. Hearing the name or seeing the form of Avalokiteshvara with mindful remembrance is not in vain for the woes of existence can thus be relieved. And then there's this list which are traditional, the kind of traditional horrible things that can happen to you. And so the sutra brings those up. Even if someone with harmful intent should push you into a fiery pit, by mindfully invoking Avalokiteshvara's power, the pit of fire will turn into a pool." Now, I can imagine some of you and and Suzuki Roshi as a young person thinking, wait a minute. If I fall into a fiery pit, I'm going to get burned. It doesn't matter if I call on Avalokiteshvara or recite the Bodhisattva's name. Uh, what are you talking about, you know? That's superstitious or that's like some magical thinking. If you fall in a fiery pit, you know? So the fiery pit, uh, it can be, you know, it's talked about as an actual fiery pit. And when the this chapter 25 is is rendered iconographically, you can see all these things that are mentioned, fiery pits and being attacked by demons and pushed off of mountains. And, and it's all in a big, you know, can be found in scrolls. And uh, But what's another kind of fiery pit that we can be pushed into? Has anyone felt like they've been pushed into a fiery pit of rage and anger and, unbelievable, you know, um, feelings, strong feelings of hatred, maybe you might revenge. Has this been coming up for anybody? Have we noticed that upon seeing something or reading something or hearing someone speak, That we are filled with the fire of anger and hatred and fear, and not only us personally but our groups of people, you know, falling into the fiery pit. So, I I, I do feel this sutra is not just talking about some magical saving in a fiery pit, uh, but the fiery pit of our own heart uh, turning, turning in a way that is not in alignment with our vows. Catching ourselves And this next one, if cast adrift on a vast sea, menaced by dragons, fish and demons, by mindfully invoking Avalokiteshvara's power, the billowing waves cannot drown you. So what are the billowing waves that drowned us? The billowing waves of ill will and aversion, disgust. The billowing waves of uh, Ah, resentment, resentment that comes up and fills us over and over. We can't let go of. How about in the midst of that, this sutra, this chapter is saying, call forth the power of infinite compassion sincerely, if it's not sincere, if it's like, well, maybe I'll try that. If it's, I need help. This is one of the cries of the world. I need help to face and meet my life and what's happening and the trauma of these times and the traumas of my family and my community and my culture. You know, can we invoke infinite compassion? Call it up, call for it. That's what this that's what this twenty-fifth chapter is saying. Uh, so these traditional things, fire, drowning being attacked by bandits, being, you know, evildoers po- wanting to poison you. Um, and these are all mentioned, these are all chanted. And, you know, Tenchan Roshi didn't want us to start chanting this without a little commentary because I think, I think it, it uh, may be difficult to just jump into this without some kind of grounding in the uh, vows and practices of infinite compassion and unhesitating compassion as, as our, our inspiration. Otherwise it may feel, we may feel, we may turn from this, like this isn't for me, this, isn't, this is weird uh, in such a way that we reject a practice that can meet us in our distress in our suffering. That's what it's about. Calling upon infinite compassion to be with us. And and when we do that with with sincerity and um, sometimes it's our last, um, we have nothing left but to just call for help and ask compassion to help, ask for compassion. For this mind that's so filled with ill will, let's say, or greed or strong desires, or so diluted. So this calling out and asking will be responded to. This is this is one of our teachings of inquiry and response come up together. And the form it takes of this response, because Infinite compassion comes immediately. Well, you don't know what form it will come in. It could come in the form of your own heart opening. It could come in the form of a thought of, that is coming from your own, uh, you know, inside you rather than looking outside. Where is it gonna come from? Where is Avalokiteshvara? I don't see him or her, infinite compassion comes in all forms. And sometimes we don't recognize it's imperceptible, but we were met. Sometimes we know when someone was there for us and guiding us and listening to us. So, But the response can come In the way that you need it, and that's that's part of the 25th chapter. Uh, After talking about, you know, surrounded by raging beasts with fangs and claws, by mindfully invoking Avalokiteshvara's power, they will quickly. Scatter in all directions. What 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 for us is fangs and claws that have a grip on us? You know, habitual ways of thinking and acting and treating people, addictions of all kinds. Do we feel like we've got fangs and claws in us? Venomous snakes and scorpions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, clouds of thunder and lightning strike. Hailstones fall. The hate of hails, you know, falling hailstones. So, when living beings suffer hardships, burdened by immeasurable woes the power of Avalokiteshvara's wondrous wisdom. This is where we connect compassion and wisdom. It's not a a compassion that's sentimental or nice or sweet. This is fierce compassion that takes any form and the form may not be even anything you like, like somebody shaking you or taking something, from you, your car keys, maybe. That's fierce compassion that takes any form. It's not, sometimes we conflate niceness or sweetness with compassion, which it often looks like iconographically, but there's figures of the bodhisattva of infinite compassion with 11 heads. And some of them are very fierce and scary. And that's what we sometimes need. And that's what beings need. Beings who are hurting others and cruel to others may need a face of complete and utter um, fierceness which protects beings. Like Dharma protectors often have these fierceness, fierce countenances, whatever we need. Not nice, it's it may be nice if we need that. So it it goes on to say, if you need it in the um in the 25th chapter, it says, if you need Avalokiteshvara to come in a particular form, in the form of a Buddha. Infinite compassion will come in that form. If you need it as a, a general, it'll come as a general. If you need it as a young child, it'll come as infinite compassion will come how, how you need it. If you need it as a man, as a woman, young, old. And I would venture to say, you know, I just read that um, all these humane societies and um, SPCAs, I have far, I have hardly any doggies and cats left because people during the pandemic are adopting animals. And I would say, um, you know, they're emptying out these, these facilities. If you need it in the form of a kitty cat, it will come in the form of a kitty cat. What do we need to meet our suffering? So. Anything goes there's nothing you know so this is this is kind of a hard teaching, but this is in the twenty fifth chapter now there's another part in the twenty fifth chapter that I uh, want to mention, which is that infinite compassion uh, avalokiteshvara after this uh, chapter is is recited, and the the end of it, um, uh, I'll end with how it ends, but um, the bodhisattva of infinite thought says, he gets it and he says, I wanna make offerings to um, the bodhisattva of infinite compassion for these deep vows and for being, there to guide and protect and come to people's aid when they call on you. I want to make offerings to you. And so this bodhisattva was wearing this necklace of pearls or jewels, and he takes off the necklace. Bodhisattvas often are, have great wonderful adornments. They're not monks and nuns. They can take that form, but they're often depicted with you know, um, jewels and headdresses. And anyway, this Bodhisattva takes off his necklace and offers it as a gift to um, Guanyin, who is the female form, Kanon. And uh, Avalokiteshvara, Kanon, Guanyin, says basically uh, she refuses, she won't receive it. And he offers again that, please take this offering for the sake of the many beings. Please take this gift. And she refuses again to receive this offering. And then the Buddha kind of, inter- Shakyamuni Buddha intercedes and says to Guan Yin, please take this gift for the sake of beings. Just receive this offering. So she takes it and she divides this necklace in two, two parts, and she gives one necklace, part of the necklace to Shakyamuni Buddha. And she gives the other half to this Buddha that has appeared earlier in the Sutra, we're already near the end, whose name is Abundant Treasures or Many Treasures. And this Buddha, in a, one of the more fantastically wonderful chapters of the Lotus, appears in this stupa way high in the sky, and everybody rises up and and wants to see him. And then the Buddha and many treasures sit next to each other in the stupa, the two of them, and uh, you know teach together. And this this uh, Buddha many treasures is kind of the symbolic in the Lotus Sutra, the symbol of the Buddha nature itself. So infinite compassion, just to go over this, takes her offering and offers it again to Shakyamuni Buddha who taught her and teaches us and is the Buddha in our time and is the source of the Dharma of our time and also to many treasures this Buddha nature or the, 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 the teaching of how it is that we exist together in this life, oh, in emptiness, the groundlessness of our ground together and acknowledges this, this Buddha Many treasures. So this Buddha nature as our fundamental way that we are. And in the commentary, how how come she didn't just receive the necklace? He wanted to give her a necklace. And the commentary in one place says, Avalokiteshvara did not want to be an intermediary between our practice and. Um, the Buddha Dharma and Buddha nature, like shifted over to, well, I can relate to Avalokiteshvara, but I can't relate to the teachings of the truth of my existence as awakened nature. So this is one commentary that taking that gift and giving it back to the ground of of her practice, the wisdom whose heart is compassion, the wisdom of uh, no abiding self. And sitting in that wisdom seat, which Guan Yin does and From that seed of wisdom that doesn't see beings as separate beings, still, the vow is to serve beings, guide beings, speak to beings in the language they can understand, with the examples that they can relate to uh, in any form that they need. This is bodhisattva life. Uh, the wisdom that sees that there's no abiding self by itself is just cruelty. It's like, well, you don't really exist, so deal with it. That That's a kind of uh, sickness, actually, of um, caught in emptiness, or it's not real wisdom. Wisdom's heart is compassion. And Avalokiteshvara, you know, helps us by saying, these are my vows, unhindered compassion without delay. How can we access that? This is for us, this isn't floating somewhere in Bodhisattva land apart from us. This is our, this is who we uh, can practice like over and over and over again with sincerity, being there for one another, listening in this main practice of regarding the cries of the world, listening, listening itself is healing when someone really listens to you. And, you know, we often get distracted or fall into the fiery pit of, I gotta have an answer Um, I can fix it. I know what's best, listen to me. Um, I did it this way, Um, try it this way, et cetera, et cetera, without really listening, without truly listening. If we really listen to ourselves, I think we have to start with ourselves and listen to our own suffering. We start there, without that, we're not ready. To be there for others, if we've skipped over our own suffering and where we need to stay close. Yeah. So we start with ourselves with self compassion and we bring up the power, the power of compassion. I think. Tikdan Han has a translation of it, where he says instead of um, by mindfully invoking Avalokiteshvara's power, he says uh, invoking the strength of Avalokiteshvara. So, power, strength. what what word works for you? but when we call upon our own compassion get in touch with it and make our effort to come from there um, we are met we are met and others are uh, are helped as well just by taking care of our own suffering otherwise it just gets spread around on everybody else, blamed and projected. And uh, so we start, start with ourselves, listening. So I just wanted to end with Dogen, Uh, Dogen wrote several poems on the Lotus Sutra. And this one says, um, day and night, night and day, the way of dharma as everyday life. In each act, our hearts resonate with the call of the sutra. I'm going to read it again. Day and night, night and day the way of dharma of everyday life. In each act, our hearts resonate with the call of the Sutra. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our programs are made possible by the donations we receive. Please help us to continue to realize and actualize the practice of giving by offering your financial support. For more information, visit sfzc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.